Hier komen wij in vreemd. My name is Ros Ward. You're listening to Red Flag Radio. We record the show on Indigenous land, land that was stolen, was never ceded, that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Red Flag Radio is proud to be a revolutionary socialist podcast. We talk about politics and history and theory uh, with activists and people who are engaged in uh, the struggle around all of those things. And at the moment, you may have noticed that there's been a little bit of time in between episodes, and that's because me and uh, the co-producer of the show, Liam Ward, are both running in a local council election here in Melbourne, where we're both um, in different places right now, um, for the Victorian Socialists. So just a little plug, if you're listening and you are living in Darabin, or if you're living in Maribyrnong, or Moreland, or Hume, or Melbourne City, <laughs> council area, you can vote for a Victorian Socialist candidate in this election coming up. Um, and I think you have until the 23rd of October to return your ballots in the mail. And uh, if this is the first you've heard of it, don't um, be too worried about that. But uh, you still have plenty of time to check out the Victorian Socialist candidates in your area. And if you're even luckier, you might find that you could vote um, for me or Liam in the council election. And in fact, I was just thinking it's the first election I've got to vote in um, since becoming a officially an Australian citizen. And oh, so yeah. my very first election, Liam, I'm yeah. voting for myself. How good is that? <laughs> Couldn't have planned it better. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Victorian Socialists, we're on uh, Facebook and there's a website and everything, so have a look. Um, so thanks to our Patreon supporters uh, for your donations to Red Flag Radio. You might have noticed in the last couple of episodes – a bit of improvement in the sound quality. That's because we've spent some of your donations on a new recording platform. So your money is making us sound better. Um, and we will continue to work, obviously, on the sound and the content and um, improving the podcast as much as we can um, with those donations. So patreon.com forward slash red flag radio podcast if you want to join our elite collection of supporters and thank you to everyone who does. So we're talking about today a really important um, fairly new campaign happening in New South Wales. I know this podcast is is fairly um, Melbourne centric but we try to think about politics right across Australia and obviously have activists um, from around the country come on and um, the campaign that we're talking about is this right to protest campaign and the two activists who are part of leading that up in Sydney right now are people who've been on Red Flag Radio before, so check out their other episodes, uh, Vanille Kumar and Eleanor Morley. Um, so let's just get straight into what's been happening um, in Sydney and in New South Wales with politics up there. Um, what's been happening, Vanille, uh, when you've tried to hold protests in the past uh, couple of months? Well, yeah. Um, since the start of semester, a number of education protests, uh, particularly at the University of Sydney, have been shut down by the New South Wales police. People have been protesting against uh, a myriad of attacks on higher education, 
So both attacks on students and attacks on staff, particularly at places like Sydney University, um, it's now expected that hundreds of staff will uh, lose their jobs as part of severe restructures that are in place. There's massive cuts to courses. And of course, the federal government is uh, basically looking to massively increase university fees and uh, cut down funding uh, to a number of uh, degrees. As part of that, so uh, people have been uh, rightfully outraged. Students and staff both um, have wanted to protest. But uh, right now in New South Wales, under um, the uh, COVID-19 public health orders, there is a uh, ban on public gatherings of more than 20 people. So this has resulted in uh, protests since the start of semester uh, being met with a very heavy police presence. Uh, that's happened now on a number of occasions. We'll, uh, we've seen uh, dozens, if not up to 100 police uh, in full riot gear um, with uh, police horses turn up to Sydney University in order to break up and disperse um, student demonstrations. So the most... Uh, Notable of those incidents was on the 28th of August, where there were close to 100 police officers who turned up um, and fined a number of students. So far, um, uh, across all these protests, there have been $42,000 in fines that have been leveled against students. One student uh, has more serious uh, charges that they're facing. Um, and uh, this has been despite the best efforts of uh, student organizers to try and organize protests uh, where uh, masks are uh, heavily encouraged and provided to protesters, where social distancing is encouraged, and even uh, people have tried to get around the restrictions on public gatherings by having uh, groups of no more than 20 people at uh, particular spots around the campus. But New South Wales police have basically come back and said, no, you're all gathering for a common purpose, even if you're separated by hundreds of metres on different sides of the campus. Uh, there was a very notorious uh, quote from one of the police sergeants on the 16th of September who uh, went up to a group of students while a protest was going on. Uh, these students uh, were having lunch together and the police officer asked them, are you here for the protests or are you here having lunch? Because if you're here having lunch, you can stay. But if you're here for the protest, you have to move on. So it's not about what they were actually doing. It's about what they were intending to do. Um, and more recently, we've also had police turn up to student organizing meetings um, and question and intimidate students uh, as part of that. So this is quite a heavy uh, and quite a uh, intimidating response by the New South Wales police that's there to basically um, shut down students organizing against severe attacks on their education. And now uh, the police are also taking organizers of a planned LGBTI rights protest uh, to the Supreme Court to try and get that banned. And this is all taking place in the context where the New South Wales government is actually loosening restrictions. They're allowing more and more um, areas of the economy to open because they want businesses to be able to get back uh, to making profits. Uh, so mm. what they've done is they've relaxed the restrictions on stadiums where uh, up to 40,000 people can now crowd into ANZ Stadium. Uh, beaches are opening up and people are being encouraged to go to the beach to kickstart the economy. Um, they've opened up uh, Jamboree, uh, the kind of water park uh uh, in the Illawarra, uh, where up to 5,000 people can go. And they've recently relaxed corporate functions, uh, which can now have up to 300 people. So if you're 20 students wanting to protest against cuts to higher education, 20 or more, um, that's not allowed. That's a gathering for a common purpose that is not permitted. But if you are a corporation in New South Wales, you do have the right to gather for a, co for a common purpose. And that's the common purpose of making money. Hmm. So, okay. So, so let's just get this straight. Um, as far as what you've been trying to do and how the police have responded, Ellie, in terms of – so all safety measures have been put in place um, and in other 
venues or just up the road or even right in the same spot. You can sit and eat lunch or you can go to a class in a room full of other students, um, but you can't express a political opinion in a group of 20 people outdoors. Am I missing something? Is there something else going on here or is it just literally the difference between being part of a political protest and basically any other activity? Yeah, I don't really think you're missing anything here, Roz. I think it's just been um, outrageous hypocrisy um, on the part of the Berejiklian state government here in New South Wales um, and the New South Wales police in what they do and do not choose to uh, come along and shut down. So as we've learned over the past few months, protesting actually seems to be one of the safest activities uh, you can do right now. So far there has been zero, a total of zero um, cases of community transmission at a protest in Australia. That includes the, you know, 30,000, 50,000 strong Black Lives Matter rallies that happened uh, earlier this year. And also in America, when the massive uprising um, around Black Lives Matter happened there, that was not what kicked off the second wave, but instead it was opening the economy, opening the workplaces and all of that. So we're calling hypocrisy on the state government. Like Vanille went through, so, so many events can take place here in Sydney right now. You wouldn't actually really know that we were living through a pandemic, which might be hard for uh, listeners in Victoria uh, to understand, but the only difference you can really feel here is a few people wearing masks uh, when you're out and about. But yeah, thousands of people at football stadiums, uh, hundreds or thousands of people congregating for the common purpose of going to the beach uh, on the hot weekends we've had over the past few weeks. But literally 20 people at a protest uh, apparently is illegal, apparently is a danger to our health and is being shut down by the police. So let's put this in context then because it does seem like a very deliberate um, strategy uh, politically. I mean, the Berejiklian government have defended this, haven't they, to say, yeah, this is correct, these people are breaking the rules and the police are obviously quite forcefully um, coming in to shut down protests and in intimidate particular protesters and vanilla you've been one of those targeted i know i can have um, been following your experiences online and pictures of you every single time being uh, dragged off by the cops so what what would you how would you explain this kind of is this a major turn that we've seen in policing in new south wales or politically um to clamp down on protest or kind of what what's been happening in the run-up to this is is there is this something we could have predicted or is this a, a brand new approach? Well, I think what we're seeing is an escalation of a process that's been going on for some years now in New South Wales. Um, what's happened is since 2002, there have been new police powers that have been introduced um, that have uh, basically given police more and more uh, ability to break up protests um, to stop and search protesters without warrants, to issue them move-on orders, to basically uh, criminalise people for engaging um, in political protests. And what the COVID-19 crisis has, has done is it has introduced uh, a whole bunch of new uh, 
powers that the police can use uh, to do that, but also given them a political pretext uh, for doing so. Um, and as we've uh, already talked about, the the hypocrisy and the double standards that are being applied to protests um, and to uh, to other uh, um, areas of commercial activity, which are now being opened up, show that this is not about putting public health first. This is about allowing businesses to make profit while also clamping down on dissent, which has been something that uh, the New South Wales government has been trying to do uh, for quite a number of years now. So uh, this year, the this all began with the massive protests uh, in support of Black Lives Matter and against uh, Indigenous deaths in custody, uh, the biggest of which was on the 6th of June, where there were some fifty to 60,000 protesters um, that turned up to Sydney Town Hall. And the police originally tried to get that banned in the Supreme Court, uh, but five minutes beforehand, uh, when it was clear that one way or the other, there'd be tens of thousands of people protesting, uh, there was a bit of uh, face-saving that went on, and the uh, the appeal against that ban uh, was successful because facts on the ground meant the rally was going to go ahead. And this was the point at which uh, Scott Morrison and also the Berejiklian government here in New South Wales uh, really went into overdrive about the irresponsibility of uh, of protesters for um, daring to care about uh, Indigenous deaths in custody enough to go outside um, and protest. Yet at the same time, this is the government that doesn't consider um, you know the, the deaths and murders of Indigenous people in custody to be a serious enough health issue to even like prosecute the police officers and the correctional officers mm. who are responsible uh, for these cases. So it was after this massive protest and the uh, the kind of push by the New South Wales government that we saw um, a different approach in the following weeks to the protests that were continuing to be organised. So on the 12th of June, um, there were some 500 police that turned up to stop another Black Lives Matter protest uh, of 300 people from first congregating in at Sydney Town Hall and then also uh, from reconvening at Hyde Park. This was, uh, people might have seen it online, there were photos of the police guarding the Captain Cook statue um, in... Um, in Hyde Park, which I think is a pretty good visual metaphor mm -hmm. for um, wh what the police do in our society. And then in the following weeks, um, there was also a refugee rights protest that uh, had that went ahead but had a, a huge police presence at it. And then two weeks later, some of the uh, some of the activists who were involved in that protest had uh, four or five cops show up at their door to deliver a letter saying, you were seen at this protest, and if you are seen at future protests, we will be taking action against you. So a very clear um, intimidation tactic yeah. was going on there. Um, I was personally involved in co-organizing uh, the Black Lives Matter protests in Wollongong. Um, there, they also took us to the Supreme Court, um, and uh, when we... Uh, turned up anyway, despite the ban, uh, to exercise our democratic right to protest against uh, Indigenous deaths in custody. Uh, there was probably one of the biggest police presences we've ever seen at a protest in Wollongong, uh, who tried to stop the march, but uh, the march went ahead anyway. And then there was, yeah, on the 28th of July, uh, the there was a Black Lives Matter protest that couldn't even uh, begin because they snatched some of the organisers and broke up the protest before, um, before it could even start. Um, and this is just the latest chapter in years and years of the police trying to interfere in protest organizing. I remember back in 2016, they tried to stop the memorial march for uh, Indigenous teenager TJ Hickey, who the cops had murdered back in 2004, uh, claiming that uh, the proposed memorial march was a risk to public safety because of uh, the traffic uh, 
in the area. Um, as well as last year, there was the um, the crackdown against uh, climate protesters, where 40 people were arrested as part of the Spring Rebellion, and one protester was held for over 27 hours without charge as a way to try and get them to sign onerous bail conditions, uh, agreeing to, uh, you know, not go into the CBD and not to associate with other environmental activists. So this is a long running, um, a long running uh, history of, uh, of attempts to shut down protests in New South Wales. Yeah, and it does really seem like since the pandemic, it's um, a very convenient uh, reason um, or an excuse to think that they can get public support for this and I think that they really thought that with the Black Lives Matter protests in June that you know they would have public support to say well yes this is a health issue and that people should stay at home they tried everything they could in the media right to to mm. put people off coming and then you know mass police presence hours before the protest was going to start but actually as you said it was the amount of people that were packing well getting on transport walking across the city and and actually just being there when the supreme court uh, heard the appeal that i think forced them to change their mind and i guess that points eleanor to um the idea that there may be a, an audience you know there may be more people mm. out there apart from just socialists uh, who were thinking wait a second what is happening with this police crackdown you know what is happening with the government in new south wales New South Wales thinking that they can kind of use this health crisis as a reason to create a much more authoritarian environment around protest and politics. So what? who kind of, how was it decided to launch this into a right to protest kind of campaign and to really draw these points um, into sharper focus? Yeah, um, before I get to that, I just want to quickly make it clear that we very much um, support strict public health measures being taken to combat the global pandemic. In fact, my criticism of politicians the world over would be that they've not taken the measures necessary to try stop a deadly virus yeah. spreading uh, amongst working class communities. Uh, but in this case, I think the reason that they're shutting down protests is not because they're concerned for our health, as again, you can see through uh, their enormous attempts to open up the, uh, the economy, uh, but because they want to shut down our right to protest. And this is not the first time it's come up. People might remember that over the summer when there were horrific, catastrophic bushfires uh, raging all along the east coast of Australia, a number of mass rallies were organised uh, in major cities. Uh, and I remember in Victoria... Um, the Daniel Andrews government there <clears throat> tried to use a similar argument to stop that protest going ahead. He said this is a distraction from the effort to fight the fires. Uh, it's redirecting the state's resources away from the, um, the fire effort. And now is not the time to protest. But I think that last summer and I think that right now is absolutely the time to protest because the issues that we're fighting for, uh, they certainly haven't gone away right now. You know, deaths in custody has not stopped. The torture of refugees on Australian soil uh, has not stopped. The austerity that governments are trying to push on us to respond to this crisis is only just beginning. So we have uh, lots and lots to fight about and we definitely can't concede that right uh, at the moment. But in terms of the campaign, so we kicked this one off, um, I'd say, about a month ago. 
For a few months, um, it was a bit hit and miss, which protest is and isn't going to be repressed. Like Vanille went through, uh, there are a whole number of protests that were uh, repressed starting from about June. But there were some that we, um, that we got away with. We had a few student rallies in the city uh, that we managed to hold successfully. Um, but over the course of August, it became very clear that they'd now made a move uh, to shutting down absolutely every single one until the um, protest at the end of August at Sydney Uni, uh, where the second that the person who was uh, chairing the demonstration got up to start to speak, the cops moved in straight away, um, said it was time to shut it down and then started grabbing people uh, and arresting them. Um, and it was after that moment that we realised we can't really get around this anymore. Um, you know, there's not going to be moments here and there where possibly we get lucky that the state government and the police are really, really intent uh, on shutting down every demonstration that we organise. So we launched the campaign um, and so far we've had a pretty uh, incredible uh, amount of support from people both here in New South Wales but also across the country and some um, activists internationally who are experiencing a similar kind of threat at the moment. So we've got a lot of uh, Greens MPs, uh, kind of lefty academics, civil liberties lawyers, a lot of student representatives um, and just a lot of community activists involved so far. So we've had two meetings uh, with over 100 people in attendance, which is uh, really incredible. Um, and now over the next few weeks, we're setting our sights on organising some actions here in Sydney uh, to defend our right to protest. Yeah, I mean, the big question, I guess, once you see that pattern emerging is like, if you don't stand up and point it out and try to organise some, something to resist the police crackdown, like when, you know, when would you ever be able to protest again? And that's not exactly. like some flippant thing. Like, you know, it's, it's happened in Queensland historically under the yeah. Joe Biocchi-Peterson government. It's happened in other periods of Australian history where the state and their forces, the police, um, think that there's an opportunity to stop protest and to stop political dissent and whatever, and they will always um, – take it and hold on to it for as long as possible unless people do something about it. So, yeah, it's pretty important that this is happening. I'm interested if, if there have been kind of debates about sort of strategically, okay, we all want the right to protest, but what's the best way to kind of win, win that or win it back? Um, Vanil, what have the debates been around that around those kind of central questions of okay, we want to have a campaign, but what should we do? What's going to be the most effective way to actually run this campaign? Yeah, well, the that has been the main question. How do we respond to this uh, repressive situation that we now find ourselves in? And there have been a number of kind of different uh, ideas that have been floated. So the first response I think that people had was uh, to try and find uh, clever ways to get around some of the restrictions that had been introduced as part of the public health measures. So um, obviously we support things like taking, uh, you know, having master demonstrations and taking uh, the appropriate measures to minimize any risk of transmission. Um, however, like the, uh, the things that have been attempted is to have actions of uh, less than 20 people uh, in the hopes uh, that 
the police won't uh, crack down on them. But as we've seen at Sydney University, uh, that is not really the case. The police have uh, gone in and regardless of what measures are being taken uh, to try and minimise the risks, uh, they have uh, shut down protests, even uh, where groups are numbered fewer than 20. But there's the other side of it, which is that well, these kinds of actions aren't any kind of substitute for mass protests because the whole reason why protests are so effective is because they actually um, gather together like bigger numbers of people um, who care about an issue, who recognize that individually we, we don't live in a society uh, where we can have genuine democratic input um, into how our society is run. But when we get together collectively, we can uh, take over the streets, we can shut them down, we can uh, cause disruption. And that's the sort of thing uh, that actually creates real pressure on the people in power uh, to get to give into our demands. And you can see, like in the past couple of years, that we've had uh, moments of that. The most notable one was the victory of the marriage equality campaign, which was built on mass protests, um, showing people that actually, what's the balance of forces in society? There are far more people who support rights for LGBTI people than there are the homophobes and transphobes who want to deny it. Um, it gave people a sense of confidence in their own collective ability. And when we won, it gave people a sense that, yeah, actually, when we get together, we can we can change society. I think that's one of the key reasons why I think the the Liberal government here in New South Wales is so keen on shutting down protests because in the midst of this crisis, there are so many things people are going to want to continue to fight around and to minimise that dissent is so useful for them. But I think it also shows that... Um, like there's just no substitute for um, the sort of mass uh, kind of rallies that we want to try and uh, get back to um, in order to fight around all the various issues, whether it's the attacks on welfare, the attacks on LGBTI people. So that's kind of been one of the ways people have tried to um, respond to the situation. The other thing has been thinking that we can look towards uh, legal challenges as a way to defend our democratic rights. But I think um, for anyone who's listening to the podcast, it may not come as a surprise that uh, the legal system is not on the side of ordinary people or oppressed people or working class people. Um, it is the same legal system that, uh, you know, protects killer cops who kill Indigenous people. It's the same legal system that, uh, you know, jails uh, environmental activists while allowing uh, massive coal mines to destroy the environment. It's the same legal system that sides with bosses and corporations against their workers. So um, it's not really a system that's designed to uh, to uphold our democratic rights. And democratic rights have never been granted from on high. Um, you referenced the, the campaign against uh, Joe Bielke-Peterson, uh, democratic rights have always had to be fought for. They've always had to be asserted uh, by by our side, by people who, who don't have power except uh, when we act collectively. Um, and so that's why the, the main demand of the campaign is that we are calling for an exemption uh, to the to the right to protests uh, from the public health orders, that public gatherings for the purposes of political protests should be allowed um, because we don't think the government or the New South Wales police should have any right uh, to tell people uh, when they can protest or how they can protest. Um, but we're only going to get that um, through collective action. We're going to need to um, confront these repressive laws and we're going to need to um, fight and defy them as part of fighting around all the issues uh, that we care about, whether it's fighting for LGBTI rights, fighting against the attacks on education, fighting for the environment. Yep. And, I mean, just that point about um, the, the power of protests and, like, why protests are effective is partly the basis of how much they can disrupt business as usual and 
the size of them really does matter in that case. I was just sort of thinking as you were talking about the groups of 20 that if groups of 20 people scattered around the place could really change things, then um, changing things would be a lot easier because <laughs> finding 20 people <laughs> to protest something is a lot uh, would be a lot easier than trying to, you know, get tens of thousands of people like we did with the marriage equality campaign that began with 20 people, but it wasn't the end goal to have 20 people holding petitions on a wet afternoon in front of the state library, which I remember well, but, you know, to build <laughs> that into a campaign of 20,000 people that you could not ignore is really the demonstration of what protest is about. And I guess on that basis, you know, um, convincing people to uh, stand up to this situation is actually quite a important thing. And to get people to actually say, okay, well, we know the police are going to come and crack down on us, but we're going to come out anyway and we're going to try to, as much as possible to defy that intimidation and pressure. Um, and I think the protest that you had on the 23rd of September at Sydney Uni, Ellie, uh, kind of had more of that spirit about it. Can you describe and um, what happened then and, and whether that was a success or not? Uh, yeah, it certainly did have more of that spirit. Um, we managed to uh, route the cops, route Berejiklian's ban on protests and gather together in a crowd of uh, a few hundred uh, angry, impassioned students and take the road uh, and march against the uh, the government's cuts to education, the vice chancellor's cuts to staff and courses, which was just so 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 wonderful. Um, so we managed to bring together all our different groups of protesters to a central location at Sydney Uni, um, and we took the police by surprise. So we quickly bolted out of a gate that um, opens up into a big park right next to Sydney Uni. Uh, then those hundreds of students and staff members sprinted right across the park uh, and we like popped out into the road where we uh, marched down it, chanting uh, for 100 metres or so, which just felt so, so, so wonderful um, after our previous experiences of being shut down and repressed normally um, within the first five minutes um, of the protests. And during the march and then listening to people's um, like Facebook live streams and stuff of it later, we just heard so many people saying, this is the best day of my life. This is the best protest I've ever been to. Because again, you know, it wasn't 15 people um, kind of standing isolated from everyone else, surrounded, outnumbered by police. It was everyone coming together, feeling powerful feeling like uh, we had a purpose and feeling like we were finally able uh, to push back against the repression uh, that's been so full on for the past few months. So I think that day was a really excellent vindication uh, of some of those arguments Vina was talking about earlier, like why we need centralised protests, why we can't capitulate uh, to the police, why we have to keep fighting and why we've got to be uh, confrontational and defiant because you just can't uh, recreate that experience and that feeling that we all had on the 23rd uh, in other kind of clever ways. So it was a really important victory, um, both for the student campaign, but I think also uh, for the right to protest in New South Wales. Mm. And mm. really impressive, like um, all the, I just want to say congratulations to all the people who were at that protest because it does take some guts and determination to think, well, okay, we're actually just going to go and 
you know, we've seen what's been happening with people. Like it, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> people will get fined. You know, who the cops are fucking pigs, so they could get you, They, you know, they do awful things to people. That's a possibility, yeah. but we're going to come and do it anyway. Like, so congratulations to the organisers and the people who went to that. And I think you're right, like, it's the transformative moments like that, I think, that can affect the way people see politics, which is why big, defiant protests are so important. And and to continue to try to have that um, spirit in the campaign um, seems like a good way to go. So, Vanille, what, what is happening next? Like, what um, what are the plans for the campaign? What protests are coming up? How can we get more people involved in this? Well, I think uh, the next major thing that's happening is there's a protest planned for next Saturday, the 10th of October, um, against Mark Latham's uh, transphobic bills that are being introduced into the the New South Wales Parliament. Uh, That's happening at one o'clock in Taylor Square, um, just in the Sydney CBD. So uh, for people who might not know, Mark Latham is introducing uh, essentially a a number of bills into the New South Wales Parliament that are designed to essentially uh, erase LGBTI people from the New South Wales school curriculum. Uh, It's a massive uh, attack that would basically see um, teachers being deregistered for even acknowledging the existence of uh, trans and gender diverse uh, students in their classrooms um, or even making reference to them, trying to provide any kind of uh, resources um, around questions of gender and sexuality. And I think it's really like the response of the right to some of the gains that have been made uh, around uh, LGBTI rights in recent years. And it's something that we simply uh, cannot allow to happen. So Community Action for Rainbow Rights, which is the uh, group in New South Wales that has led the marriage equality campaign for a number of years now, um, is mobilizing people and asking people to come out and demonstrate against this bill, which is in the process of being put. So there is an urgency around it. Um, but uh, it's also going to be quite important because if uh, if this demonstration uh, goes ahead, it'll be a, a real victory for the campaign around the right to protest. And if the New South Wales police and the New South Wales government are successful in shutting down this demonstration, that is a step backwards uh, for every progressive struggle that is happening um, in our society. It'll be a step backwards for the union movement. It'll be a step back for for the environment movement uh, around student struggles, uh, this uh, is something that we can't allow to happen. So I think in order to for that demonstration to be successful, we need as many people as possible from as many groups as possible, um, even if you know you don't usually go to LGBTI rights demonstrations uh, to come together because it really is going to be a case of in- injury to one is an injury to all. So uh, democracy is essential. Uh, the campaign uh, is uh, mobilizing a right to protest contingent uh, to that. And we're also encouraging the various individuals and organizations who have uh, signed on to the campaign to to come out for this protest because it really um, is uh, something that requires solidarity from as many groups as possible. Mm. I was just I was <laughs> having a vision of the um, moment in the Pride movie, which everyone should watch, by the way, that uh, about lesbian and gay support the miners when the miners turn up to the Pride march, and in some ways it's sort of like that with this because it would be really amazing scenes if. Um, a bunch of people who just support the right to protest, who are on the left, who are progressive, who are pro-fucking-basic democracy, uh, turned up to this rally, which, of course, I mean, you don't have to ask me what I think about Mark Latham or indeed what he thinks about me. I'm probably his most hated person. And 
the bill probably has my name in it. I haven't looked, but it could well <laughs> have my name in it. So Badge of honour. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it, people should be protesting these fucking appalling um, pieces of legislation. But imagine if there was enough people in the right to protest contingent that could sort of surround, you know, the LGBTI, potentially younger people maybe at their first protest. Like, it would be this beautiful thing to be a part of. So I, I would highly encourage people to get along, everyone basically, to get along to that. Um, and Ellie, if there's other things that people can do to support the campaign, if this is something that people are hearing about for the first time or if they're listening from lockdown Melbourne or even, yeah, we have listeners internationally as well, um, what can people do to kind of show solidarity with this campaign? Because obviously if they can get away with it in New South Wales, like you said, the Victorian police have no... Um, mm-hmm. positive track record in clamping down on protests and I'm sure everywhere in Australia is the same and we can see it internationally. So how can people show their solidarity to support your um, struggle in Sydney right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for people who are overseas or interstate, we have a sign-on statement which is about the right to protest um, which already has Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of signatories. So that's definitely not just someone for some uh, something for people from New South Wales, uh, but it's something to sign on to for absolutely uh, anyone who um, wants to stand up for our democratic right to protest. So you can find that through the website or through our Facebook page, which is uh, Democracy is Essential, Restore the Right to Protest in New South Wales. So check that out, sign it, share it, send it around to other people you know. Uh, so keep, to keep building more and more signatory, uh, signatories on that I think will be quite important. Um, and for people in New South Wales, I would just encourage you to get involved. So um, like Vanille said, the next major thing that we're going to be doing is organising that contingent uh, to the rally next Saturday. Uh, we'll also be showing up for the next student protest. Uh, which is going to be held at Sydney University on the 14th of October, uh, so just a week and a half away from now. Um, Or you can uh, head to the Facebook page, um, shoot it a message, and one of us can get in contact with you and tell you how to get involved because I think we have a very, very, very big fight on our hands right now. Um, I don't think the government or the cops are going to concede super easily, so uh, the more people involved at this stage, the better. And we'll put all of those links in the um, episode notes. The other thing is um, if people can chip into any of the fines, Vanille said $42,000 so far and it's likely to get more. Vanille, how much How much do you owe in fines so far? Well, I've uh, gotten a total of $2,000 in fines and got half of that still to pay. So yeah, a bit of a thing. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly encourage people to, yeah, help donate because it's about also saying to people who come along to protest that, like, um, if you are victimised and punished by the New South Wales police for exercising your basic democratic rights, you're not going to be alone. There are other people there um, who have your back and who will um, stand up and support you as well. So um, it's really a tangible bit of solidarity that anyone can uh, can uh, contribute to um, in order to, uh, yeah, like help those in New South Wales continuing to fight against, uh, yeah, these repressive laws. Yeah, and even just a few bucks uh, makes a big difference. If enough people just chucked in 10 bucks, that would, yeah, go a really long way. So, yeah, that's um, making it clear that, you know, if we all support this um, 
campaign, then it shouldn't be just individual people who have to foot the bill when inevitably the police use their powers to find people. So, yep, chip in. Uh, follow the campaign. Go to the protests if you are close enough to get there. Um, and, yeah, keep up the good work. Ellie, Vanil, thank you for coming on Red Flag Radio. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Raz. Good luck. Stay strong and solidarity to everyone uh, who's part of that campaign. And, um, yep, me and Liam support you all the way <laughs> and we'll do whatever we can too. You're listening to Red Flag Radio. Thanks for listening. We have a world to win. <laughs>